a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana, the podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That is exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. Now, today's guest is a shepherd. Uh, No, not a literal one with sheep, you know, and a field and all that stuff, although I would love to meet an old school shepherd someday. But in today's sense of the word, a shepherd could be defined perhaps as a person who, you know, kind of protects and guides and just kind of watches over uh, a group of people. Um, uh, But as we've also all heard, no pun intended, uh, the term can also be used as a verb. You know, you can shepherd a project. Uh, it can be used as a metaphor. You know, Jesus was the good shepherd. Uh, and, and, you know, I, from personal experience, I can say it can be used as, as a punchline uh, to the kind of job that most liberal arts majors are qualified for. But apropos of today's guest, uh, I just I wanted to do a little bit of research on shepherds. And so I looked into uh, the qualities of, you know, what makes a good shepherd. And, and I found eight, I'm not going to share all eight. I'll just give you the highlights um, of, 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 of a few that really connect with today's guests. So the first is that a good shepherd, they keep us on the right path, uh, which as a devoted husband and a father of three, uh, that, uh, you know, that, that path all starts at home. And our guest today uh, really has, has really led and kept his family on this really kind of family ministry that we're going to hear about uh, here in, in a little bit. Uh, second, they set an example. Okay. Now with actual sheep, the shepherd sets kind of the course to follow. You know, he's literally out in front of the herd. Uh, but with people, uh, shepherds, they lead by example. And uh, our guest today has done this his whole life in various roles in ministry and mission, most recently at, uh, at YWAM, which is a fantastic organization for those that haven't heard of it. Uh, number three, they, uh, they provide. Okay. So a good shepherd doesn't just bark orders and directions, uh, or just, you know, like I said, walk ahead of the pack, but a good shepherd provides the means and the resources for the group, the flock to get there, which today's shepherd does through his website called where did you see God.com which is a, it's, it's amazing. It's like this multimedia content, like treasure chest of videos and writings and reflections, and events that help people see the divine in their everyday. In fact, just last night, I downloaded a free reading guide to the book of Revelation. It's fantastic. Uh, number four, they're sacrificial. Okay? Uh, they give up uh, and, and our guest has given up, you know, I'm, I'm sure much more lucrative, you know, career options or endeavors to really uh, serve, to serve others, to help others um, that we're going to hear more about today. And then finally, they're relational. Okay. They're connectors, they're conversationalists. And, and our guest today is uh, very community minded as his work reaches the greater Richmond, Virginia area uh, and, uh, and well beyond thanks to all the digital platforms that he employs. So today's guest is all of what makes a good shepherd and more. He's a true ambassador of Christ, which uh, permeates everything he does, everything he touches. Uh, and I mentioned his podcast. So he starts 
Uh, actually, I didn't mention his podcast. He's got a podcast too. I thought I thought I already mentioned it. But he's got a great podcast that he starts uh, with the same opening question uh, for every guest, which I'm now going to turn on himself. Uh, please welcome today's Mana Man, Mr. Paul Granger. And Paul, what's God doing in Richmond today? <laughs> Well, first, thanks for the opportunity to connect. I'm really excited just for you and I to be able to connect this way and, and have an authentic conversation. And uh, man, and, and for that intro too, that was really great just to hear that breakdown. Fantastic. So, you know, what what God's doing today, it's funny. Like I, <laughs> full disclosure, I almost missed this conversation because I started to get into a zone on a project that I did not uh, plan on doing just a month or so ago, but uh, the short version of the story is one of the books that I wrote this summer, which I also did not plan on writing. It's called God Won't Provide the Lie We Don't Believe We're Believing. Mm. And that led to me connecting with somebody that's in YWAM Burundi in uh, East Central Africa. And then that led him to invite me to speak at their upcoming, their current DTS. But for various reasons, I can't physically go. But I felt like God was prompting me to create the content for that, which would be at least 20 hours mm. of content that I would have to make from scratch. And today was the day that I actually started recording it. Now, I don't have the, the time, the capacity for an array of reasons, but God used this book that, he didn't, that I didn't plan on writing to create the framework for how to build out these 20 lessons. And so I actually mm. recorded the first two today. And I was about to sit down to do the third one and my phone vibrated and I was like, wait, calendar reminder. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so unfortunately I already had my camera and lights already on, but we're, we're only doing audio. So I don't even need those, but I got the microphone. So that's where I saw God is this unique opportunity where I'm going to be able to uh, just serve yeah. this body of people in East Africa. Um, and I would not have chosen it mostly because I wouldn't have had the capacity, but God's like, don't worry about that. I've got capacity enough. So that's how yeah. I see God working even beyond Richmond, but physically in Richmond on my microphone today. I love it. I love it. Well, I love it. And and then the podcast, which I want to talk more about and, and, but really everything you're doing is kind of like similar to what we're doing here on mana. You know, it's kind of a, you know, brother from another mother where we're just in, in mana. We, we try to recognize just God in the everyday ordinary ways that, you know, in this case, guys, you know, go about their days as husbands, and brothers and uncles and whatever. So for you, you've taken that to the nth degree and you're helping people recognize God every day uh, in every way. When were you touched by this idea, this call to, to do this? Well, one, I appreciate those words because I can't tell you how often you, you noted at the start that, you know, these guys won't think of themselves as extraordinary. Like I often don't. And even my website, I think about other ones that are flashier and I'm like, man, is my website. So I appreciate those words. Okay. You know, it, this is another one of those moments where it wasn't me or a grand idea I had. It was actually something I wouldn't have chosen. Yeah. And, and I'll start off by saying this, a lot of the ways that I'm functioning at this point in my life, I just turned 40 this summer, so I've got a few decades now under my belt, and I can recognize now what God has been building up that at the time I was just seeing as singular projects or singular jobs or singular opportunities. And the broader invitation beyond our, you know, anybody who identifies as a believer, like the core 
invitation is to love God and love others. And that, mm. That's the main thing. But more honed for me is I know that God's inviting me to create authentic, accessible spaces. And so when somebody comes across the podcast or the book or the website or any of these things, they don't exist to be content in them of themselves. They exist to be authentic, accessible spaces so that somebody can find a way to come to the table to process God or who God's created them to be or life in general. Because here's the reality. There's a lot of confusing stuff, yeah. you know? There's a, there's a lot of things that we are struggling to understand. And for a shepherd, not all the sheep are in the same place. Like right, some sheep right. are ready to follow the shepherd. Some are going the other direction. Some are asleep. And the shepherd has to create a context that works for all of the sheep. And so that's what it drives a lot of the ways that I'm functioning is God's given me this capacity to recognize people across the spectrum in any kind of space or any kind of theme or any kind of agenda. And and to discern how do I create that kind of space. Now, the podcast, the website, the books, all of those exist because God invited me into a space that I didn't want to be in, mm -hmm. which was a toxic ministry environment. Uh, and it didn't start off like that, but there is a number of years that were incredibly difficult, so difficult that not only did I want to leave, but those closest to me were starting to get mad at me for not leaving. Mm. Uh, started to feel like oh, you're kind of doing this to yourself, Paul, because just go. But every time I got to that point where I was job searching, I felt like God was saying, I want to invite you to stay and I'm not promising it's going to get easier. Or sometimes it felt like I was saying, it's gonna get harder. Yeah. Hey, you wanna stay? <laughs> <laughs> and what that did is that honed out of me this false understanding of identity attached to vocation, this false uh, understanding of value attached to vocation, and this deeper understanding of what it meant to be an ambassador of Christ. Or put another way, my job is ambassador of Christ. Any other functional role I have fits into that as a subcategory. But my main job is ambassador of Christ. And so there came a point that that job was taken from me. Mm. I was fired and never given a reason. But God met me in that space in a beautiful way. There's a whole story attached to that. Uh, but I had this piece that defied understanding. And I found myself in a season of unemployment when I had two kids, a wife, a mortgage, and my wife was pregnant with our third child. <laughs> so what everyone would rightly say is, uh, Paul, you need to get a job yesterday because right. your family, like we are already, both of us had ministry jobs. So we're already not making big bucks, but yeah. half of big, not making big bucks is right, like right, right. not going to fly. But God said, don't operate out of financial fear. And it was in this space that he gave a few invitations. One of them was, I felt like God was inviting me to public transparency. Well, I don't want the spotlight, so I don't want to publicly be transparent. Uh, it's also hard in general for people to share some of the deep stuff. For, but for me, this toxic ministry environment was in my community among people that were friends, neighbors, people who were in the same church as me. In other words, it was very hard to know how to talk about this because there are people that I needed to talk to that might not believe me yeah. because they were closer to the other party. Yeah. So I did not want to be publicly transparent, but I had already experienced God working in such beautiful ways that when I sensed that invitation, I foolishly said, okay, God. And that's when he dropped this idea of doing a podcast on me, which again, I've got kids. I don't have time for this. And right. like, I, I, don't, I don't even listen to podcasts, but it was just such a clear sense. But the deeper sense 
that began to be honed over the years. This was back in 2018. So over the last five years, this deeper sense was honed that this was not about making a podcast, not about writing books, not about doing it. It was about creating that authentic and accessible space. Hmm. And, and so that's where it came from. And I'm going to be honest with you. Throughout the last five years, there have been so many moments that were things that I wouldn't have chosen. I did not have the capacity to write books this summer. And I can't, I forget how many I wrote and self-published on Amazon because there was just like this blitz that happened. So often in the podcast, there were seasons that I was very vocal about. I, I would not have chosen to do this. And then God did something wild with it, like the uh, healing series. I wanted to do one episode on healing because that's a difficult topic to navigate. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I felt like I was saying, well, what if I want you to do more? And I was like, ah, maybe a couple it ended up being 51 episodes. Wow. It was almost as many episodes in just that one season as I had recorded in the three years prior. Yeah. And then I wanted to take a break. <laughs> and I felt like God was like, watch this. Yeah. <laughs> invited me to do the sitting and suffering series, which, again, that's a hard like that's a daunting topic. Right. But also, who's going to want to listen to suffering? for a whole season <laughs> that ended. I was like, okay, God, I'll do this just as long as it's not as long as the last one. Cause that was a lot of work. It was 52 episodes. <laughs> right. And so there's all these moments. So, you know, the lightning bolt, the inspiration, it's, it's the Holy spirit. Cause yeah. in and of myself, I had limitations. I had limited understanding. I had limited capacity. Really all I had to bring to the table was a willingness to step forward even with all that being true. And that's where God worked. And yeah. that's where the extraordinary really can happen for anybody. That's right. why ordinary people can be extraordinary is because it's something that is outside them and right. no longer dependent on them. Right. So true. And and so did you ever, I mean, just hearing that, 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 that context and thank you, by the way, that, that origin story is so powerful without getting into any of the, the, the kind of the dirty details, I would imagine at that time, and even just the words that you use when you talk about toxic ministry, I mean, that's, just, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts just to hear that, you know, cause it's such a horrible, like oxymoron, you know what I mean? Like, like you'd think that there shouldn't be such a thing, you know, as toxic yeah. ministry. And so I can't imagine what that felt like going through it. Did you ever feel at that inflection point that, I mean, did you ever have, were you ever tempted just to like you know, I'm out, you know what I mean? Like, this is what yeah. ministry is going to be. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go work at Starbucks. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Or did oh. you, or did you never, was that not a question of how you were going to minister? It just, or I'm sorry, it wasn't a question of if you were going to minister. It's just now how you were going right. to do it better. I mean, it was, it was all of the above. I 100% the first time I had a really just awful meeting that was just really unjust. I started job searching because I was like, this is not right. What he is saying about me and the way he's positioning things is not right, not healthy. So why would anybody want to be in this space? I was job searching. Yeah. And but very quickly into those moments is when I would sense those invitations from God mm. of what if I want to invite you to stay? What if I want you to trust me? But the thing is, is that then I would step into that with the assumption that, oh, if I do this, then God's going to make things better. Sure. Right. So then when things didn't get better, when my boss still viewed me incorrectly, when things were still hard and I would get to that point again, I would job search again or I'd be like, God, can I please leave? <laughs> and what I began to realize is he was honing this stuff out of me. In other words, what I was operating under was the assumption that, yes, I believe that God can bring contentment 
But that contentment needs to come in the form of being seen accurately, being treated fairly, and having things be sustainable, right? I, in other words, had a higher expectation for what God should do for me than what Jesus was afforded, because Jesus was not seen accurately. He was not treated fairly. And as far as sustainability of life, like his life was taken from him. Right. And so I was expecting more from me. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, or put another way, <laughs> right. Put another way, you know, the apostle says, I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. And then he lists out some things there and in other spaces of like some really rough situations that one should never be able to find contentment yeah. in. And yeah. he's saying I could find contentment in every situation. In other words, contentment is not, conditional on your circumstances going a certain way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Contentment is not uh, only possible if things work out, or contentment is possible even when nothing works out. And so, yeah, I I think God was trying to show me a different way of seeing circumstances, seeing vocation, but also seeing myself. Because when I owned the reality that my job was ambassador of Christ— That was a little less than a year before I lost my job. I was able to operate in that space with a higher level of freedom and peace and at times even joy than I could before. Because now I realized, oh, I can actually thrive here even if my boss treats me worse. And I do want to name one more thing because I think you're right. Uh, Even as I said the phrase toxic ministry, it was hard to say for a number of reasons. The ones you mentioned like this, this shouldn't be. Yeah, that ministry was actually, when I joined, it was talked about as though, like, we are family and we were going to church together and we were friends. Like, it should not have been that. But the other hard part is the, the, uh, the, the connotations that that brings to that space. Somebody hears that and they could immediately villainize this ministry. Let me tell you something. This was a, 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 a great ministry with great people in it. And even my boss, like, was not a villain. Right. So that is another thing that is a hard thing for us to navigate because we want black and white, good and bad, hero, villain. Sometimes it's well-meaning people doing awful things. (laughs) That's what happened with Jesus. There are a lot of I I believe there are probably some Pharisees in the mix that that were well-meaning that actually had convinced themselves that they were honoring God. Yeah. Um, And that's why Jesus is able to say, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. He saw beyond their actions to the core of the situation. Totally. And for you personally, you know, it's kind of that, uh, again, uh, in the Bible, I think a couple of different times, this idea of like, you know, what, what, what man intended for evil, God used for good. And right. so for, with you yeah. specifically, it was an opportunity to, to develop, like you say, that hone those skills, get that perspective, and yet not, um, not uh, uh, lose sight of justice okay which is you know it's a cardinal virtue i mean it's kind of a big deal and so that's what then you know perhaps propelled you uh into now this space where you can be that example and that kind of a shepherd that that people that people need and that you were built to be which is which is so beautiful so so you you said you're 40 years old when you look back on 40 years of life let's go way back Let's go back to the, the much younger Paul Granger. So uh-huh. like growing up, like, are you surprised this is what you're doing? Or did you grow up in a very faith rich ministry mission kind of vibe? Or is this like, what the heck? I never thought I'd be doing this. Uh, there's a lot of elements that I wouldn't have anticipated. I don't know if you just heard that uh, siren going by me. I'm assuming it's on my end. Uh, but 
I would not have anticipated living where I'm living for sure. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the country on 10 acres. One of the things I loved is just exploring the woods. And it was a time and in a place where like my brother and I, we would just, we could just go off. Like, I don't even know how far we walked through the woods, but my mom had one of those big dinner bell things. And then she would ring it and you could hear it like within a mile. We'd come out like, it was a very different time and place. And I would not have expected to live uh, in such a densely concentrated place where I mean, sirens are the norm. I tune it out most of the time because gunshots are also the norm where I am. Like, I would not have chosen this. And yet, though, I, you know, my family was not a, a missions or ministry-minded place. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, it's just like that wasn't something we engaged in often. I didn't have much experience with missionaries. And um, ministry was like limited to certain opportunities or events. But... Uh, my mom's faith deeply shaped uh, my life then and who I am today. My father passed away when I was five. Mm. And so, you know, I know that his faith was also strong. I don't personally remember much of it, but I know that he led Sunday school at times. But my mom is just, it's just been solid and consistent. She mm. has always not just believed in God, but it has been in one of the most important parts of her life. And that consistency uh, without a doubt, has not only shaped a lot of who I am, but also why it's not surprising to me that my life is very ministry-minded, not because of the specific programs or actions I might be a part of, but because of this idea that our life can actually be defined by God and then everything else, rather than like all the things we do and then we slap a Christian label on it. Yeah. Christianity wasn't a label for her. It it was her identity. And then everything was shaped out of that. And that's what I've seen God bring me to today. Well, that's wonderful. That's it's so great. And yet so sad that you lost your dad at such mm-hmm. such a, a young age. Who with so without your dad there for you in those really formative early ages, who do you who were the men? Uh since this is manna here, we talk right. about guys. Who were some of the guys in your life? that yeah. stepped in, you know, coaches, teachers, whatever, that you remember being, whether they were explicitly, you know, faith formers, uh, you know, maybe not, but, but just like character formers. Who are some of the guys that you remember yeah. being really instrumental in, in shaping? Yeah. You? you know, there's the ones that we realize and then the ones that we don't, right? And so there was a period of time where I, I think that there was an absence of that. Um, again, we lived on 10 acres. So most of our time was just us and our family, or I was at school. And at school, I don't remember there being too many male teachers. So that and then church, there weren't a lot of male figures that were very engaged in my life. Um, now, I could be wrong on that. It could just be my memory failing me, but I don't recollect it. But I remember there being a searching for this by the time I got into high school. Mm. And I began going to a church where there actually were some male figures that were um, that I recognized as being important in, in being in shaping me in you know bringing some discipling and guidance. Uh, but you know, I mentioned that there are some that we don't realize. And uh, there was a point where my mom remarried, and this was not a conscious thought; it was subconscious. I did not accept this this man because he was mm-hmm. not my father. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever overtly thinking it, but I operated as though that was the construct that I had built, yeah. and. We were very different uh, and, and, you know, interests and personality and things like that. And so for pretty much the rest of my youth, I didn't really accept him. Um, And 
I remember there being this point, and I don't remember when it was, but it was when I my brain had maybe finally fully developed. <laughs> so my lower twenties, uh, you know, maybe I was still in college, maybe just out. But I had this moment of actually looking back and realizing, man, like this guy that my childhood brain couldn't accept as a father figure, like he took on three kids that weren't his own. Yeah. Like he stepped into this space and I was able to start thinking through these things and realize the the guidance and, and fatherhood that he provided that I wasn't aware of at the time or was possibly even rejecting at the time and that he was faithfully doing. And it was like, whatever, whenever that was, it was close to Father's Day. And I actually remember writing it out on something and giving it to him as a gift because I realized, man, I owe him an apology. <laughs> but also like, these are the things that we don't realize. We'll think about the overt um, male guidance figures, um, but sometimes there are these the ordinary guys that we don't realize the seeds that they're planting. They might not even realize the seeds that they're planting, yeah. um, but there could come a point where suddenly we see some fruit and we're like, oh, where did that come from? Oh, huh. So I'm grateful. Yeah. You know, it's still ingrained in me. It's hard for me to, like, I, I don't know that I've ever called him dad. Like, it doesn't feel natural, but it's at a point now where it's not an intentional choice. It's just... I haven't said it, but uh, but yeah, his name is Gordon. So I just want to publicly honor him in this space. Sometimes my mom listens to these. That's great. Um, because yeah, he, he was a a great father, even in the times when I would not have said it because of my own issues. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and to use, you know, your own metaphor earlier, I mean, so you were kind of one of those for him in that moment, you know, you were one of the sheep that wasn't necessarily, you know, right. kind of. Uh, you know, on the plan or, or, or thinking that, or, you know, whether you knew it or not. And, and yet he was stepping into that role of a shepherd with your mom. And, uh, and I think it's beautiful that you, and what a gift that you were able to, you know, have that revelation years later. And it's, yeah. uh, I, I just think it's wonderful. All right. Well, Hey, we have, um, we've already come to the, uh, what we call the fun segment of the show. Not that the last, <laughs> none minute. of this has been fun up. Exactly. Yeah, and the last 25 minutes have just been, you know, torture here. So now we're officially, we can have some fun here. So we asked the same three questions of every guest, uh, and we just see what they have to say. And so we're very excited. Now I will say, uh, as all of our listeners know, I usually 99% of the time, 99.9% of the time, all of our guests know these questions in advance so they have ample time to prepare these wonderfully witty responses and um and so as as weird coincidence would have it here on season 11 i'm now uh and now that paul here is my second guest <laughs> in the history of nana that i have that i've forgotten to share the three questions with so he is <laughs> he is hearing these cold everybody uh -huh. and so let's cut him some slack here but i think <laughs> I think he's going to, I think he will rise to the occasion here. So fun segment question number one, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow morning and just wanted to hang out with you for the whole day, mm. okay, you can do whatever you want, take him wherever you want, um, do whatever you want, uh, wherever you want. Uh, what are you, how are you going to spend your day with mm. Jesus? Yeah. So, you know, my wife and I uh, are very different when it comes to how we like to spend our time. She's an extrovert, so she wants to do things, go out, all that kind of stuff. I'm an introvert, so like I don't need all that external. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, anyways, so when we're on vacation, it can be very tricky. But I say that to say 
I don't really feel like I have to do a whole lot of things because some of the most life-giving moments for me are when I get this unrestricted space to just sit with someone and have real, authentic, deep conversation. Um, I actually got to experience that for my 40th birthday. I I don't really do much for my birthday. I rarely get to get away, um, but I got to get away with a few friends and it was unrestricted time. We had nothing on the schedule and we just sat and talked and it was so life-giving. And so I would want to do that just whether it's on a porch or by a fire pit, just sit and just talk with Jesus. No agenda, no plans, no watches, and just engage and connect in that deep way. Because I really believe that's one of the reasons God created us to be able to have conversation is because he knows that's one of the ways to a deeper intimacy together is that we are actually connecting through that dialogue. Yeah, I love that. I love the simplicity, and yet that would be such a powerful, oh, powerful Mm -hmm. day. Wonderful. Fun segment question number two. If you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, famous or not, local, international, who would you go to church with? It just has to be a guy. Yeah. Man, if I sat with that, I bet I could come up with all kinds of different answers and probably something witty. But honestly, the the first name that pops my mind, which is kind of surprising, um, is Oswald Chambers. And I say surprising because I actually haven't read his stuff in a while. But there is, there have been many periods in life where my utmost for his highest uh, has been my go-to, you know, something to, to connect with God in the morning mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And I can't tell you how many times I've read something and just deeply resonated with the, this guy who had died like a century before. But even more impressive is the reality that I, I've read this and I, I think I'm remembering this correctly, but the book, My Utmost for His Highest, wasn't something that he sat down and had that lightning strike inspiration and said, you know what would be a good book? <laughs> it was actually, I believe, after he passed, his wife gathered together a lot of his content, things he had taught and put it together in this thing. In other words, he wasn't trying to make a big name for himself or doing, he was just functioning authentically and then somebody else compiled it. And so mm. to know that, and also to know there's so many moments he said things that just resonated with my soul. I think that could be a really fun, maybe fun's not the word, but a really powerful experience to be able to be in a church environment with him and process with him. Uh, because man, I just, so many moments. It's just like, oh man, Oswald, you're you're just spot on. And to get that. to hang out with somebody named Oswald. Yeah, exactly. Kind of right. That's a bonus. Exactly. <laughs> during during the coffee and donuts afterwards. Right. Know, do some, so. oh, I love that. All right. Fun segment question number three, bringing us home here. Uh, if you could give just one piece of advice to a younger man um, about... Uh, and I, f- I feel like you've set a very, very high bar, Paul. So maybe not as high of a bar as yours, but to, of just living a, a, a confident, you know, life of faith, you know, and being at whatever stage they're at, being their own version of a shepherd. Uh, um, what would be that one piece of advice you'd give a younger, a younger man at this stage? Yeah. Well, one, I would want to name the reality that there are, so many voices and expectations. Like I, I, you know, again, don't feel extraordinary because my mind thinks of all the people that are doing bigger things or greater things or accomplishing more. You and I do podcasts. There are metrics 
that people use to measure how valuable a podcast is based yeah. on listeners, downloads, sponsorships. And there was something that God told me uh, early on in the podcasting thing. And it, was, it wasn't like an audible conversation, but it was essentially like I felt like I was saying, what if uh, not a single person ever listens to your podcast? Would you, would you still be willing to serve me in this way? And if you got to eternity, nobody in the world would give you any acclaim, but I'd say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Would that be enough? And then I felt like he pushed me further and said, well, what if they actually looked at you as foolish? Paul wasted his time on this thing mm. and he didn't no no good came from it. It was actually a waste and a distraction, but you got to eternity. And I said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Would that be enough? And so I say all that to say what I would want to communicate to a younger man is that Yes, you are going to have a lot of high expectations set on you externally and internally, but your invitation is to grow in knowing who God's invited you to be and what he's inviting you to do. But that doing isn't a program or a job. At the core, it's loving God and loving others. The metric of success isn't how we would define it. But if at the end of the day, you can say, did I, to the best of my ability, seek to love God and love others, then you could say, yes, I was successful today, even if nothing functionally got accomplished. So I would want to kind of plant that seed to redefine success, to redefine value, to redefine identity. Because when we begin to do that, we begin to see the ways that we've been misled (laughs) internally and externally, but we also begin to see the extraordinariness, the value the opportunities, the contentment, the joy that exist even in the spaces we would not have seen it otherwise. So true. The measuring sticks that we have here, I have nothing to do <laughs> with, uh, mm. with, the ultimate, uh, yeah. with the ultimate goal and measure. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Paul Granger. So everybody, um, uh, so your, your homework uh, listeners is to check out, uh, check out the website, wheredidyousseegod.com, check out the podcast, uh, by I believe the same name. Where did you see same God? Name. Is that the is that the name yep. of it as well, Paul? Yep. <laughs> there we go. Uh, tune in, check it out. It is truly the only thing I will say is you have to make sure you give yourself enough time, listeners, uh, because there's a lot to get through. There's a lot of great stuff as every good shepherd uh, provides <laughs> many provisions for the journey. Uh, that is what Paul has done. So thank you so much, Paul for the work you're doing and for joining us here today on Mana. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Mana. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.